You may have heard of the Sago Mine disaster. It happened back in 2006. 13 miners were trapped for 42 hours in a mine, in a cave. If you don't know what a mine is, it's like a cave. They were there 42 hours. That's almost four days. No, it's almost two days. Their families waited at a, and prayed at a local church, hoping against hope uh, that they would be found. Euphoria erupted uh, when they were found, but uh, it was... Uh, a little too soon for euphoria because 12 of them were dead and only one was alive just barely. That 13th miner is still alive today. His name is Randall McCloy, but he's alive only by the grace of God. Uh, more than a decade later now, all that know his story still consider it to be a miracle. McCloy uh, said they attempted to signal the surface by beating on the uh, mine bolts and plates. They found a sledgehammer and pounded away for a long time. They never heard any response from the surface. They eventually gave up their attempts at signaling and sat down on the mine floor on buckets or cans or whatever they could find. There was no help from the outside. There was no hope on the inside. There was no way out. So these men trapped in that mine had to find some way to handle their despair. McCloy said that one of the miners led the others in a sinner's prayer, and while they prayed, they wrote notes to their families. McCloy wrote a note to his own family, believing it, was, it would be his last, and he said, the last person I remember speaking to was a man named Jackie Weaver, who reassured me that, it, that if it was our time to go, then God's will would be fulfilled. These are the last words that Randall McCloy thought would be the last message that he would ever give to his family. He wrote to his wife, Anna. He said, I love you so much. To my son, trust in the Lord. To my daughter, stay sweet. I'm not that afraid. Don't grieve long. I want you to be happy in life. With that, Randall McCloy went to sleep along with the other miners, and he didn't wake up for 23 days. Those men in that mine made some crucial, crucial choices that day. I'm sure that some of them had everything settled in their relationship with the Lord. Some of them may have settled some decision. They may have trusted Christ as their Savior that day and so impacted their own eternal destiny by the decision that they made. You might remember the story of the thief on the cross hanging there beside Jesus who said to Jesus, Remember me. When you come into your kingdom, and Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. I hope that some of those miners, after they prayed, uh, not like Randall McCloy, who didn't wake up until 23 days later, but perhaps some of them woke up that day in heaven with Jesus because of the prayer they prayed and the decision that they made. Anyway, what I want you to see today, the point I'm trying to make, is that a cave of despair for all of those miners became a doorway to their destiny. Did you know that caves are mentioned in the Bible? And you would know that every time a cave is mentioned in the Bible, it is a place of despair. David spent some time in a cave, and we want to read about his experience in Psalm 142, and I'm going to read through Psalm 142 and read several verses 
of Psalm 143, and I'll be referring to those verses in just a moment. Psalm 142, David is in a cave. He's discouraged. He's desperate. And he says, I will cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare my trouble before Him. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, You knew my path. In the way where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right hand and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to the Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of prison, so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. And now Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. And do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no man living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. The title of my message for this morning is Escaping the Cave of despair. I want us to consider the choices that David made as he wrestled with despair inside this cave, and I want to encourage you to make those same choices as you wrestle with your own personal darkness or discouragement, whatever it might be. Just as a cave shaped the destiny of Randall McCloy, a cave shaped the destiny of this great man in the Bible called David. And we want to see how it did by some simple steps that he took and simple decisions that he made as we see in this prayer. Now this is the prayer that he prayed while in the cave. The cave itself was called the Cave of Adullam. And he was in that cave because he was being chased by an evil king whose name was Saul. Saul was intent on taking David's life. Saul was intent, the enemy, his enemy was intent on shaping his destiny. And David was very, very discouraged as he escaped to this cave and he hid there. Here in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, we find this prayer that he prayed and it reveals the decisions that David made in the midst of his despair and his discouragement. First, David chose to cling to the Lord. He said, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I like uh, the Old Testament a lot, and I read it a lot. And one of the things I like about the Old Testament is what the Bible says about the Levites. Uh, The Levites were the priestly group uh, in in the Old Testament. I feel like I'm, I'm not a priest, of course. But I relate to them to some extent because sometimes I wind up asking the Lord, Lord, where is home? 
I, I don't have a home. Somebody asked me the other day, Brother Eddie, where are you going to live when you retire? I said, I don't have a clue, and I really don't. And I'm not, I don't worry so much about that. I let it get on my heart sometimes. But I remember what the Lord said to the Levites. The Levites were given no inheritance in the promised land. None. None. They didn't get it. You know why? You know what the Lord said? He said, don't give them any inheritance because I am their inheritance. This is what David said. He said, Lord, you are my portion in the land of the living. Lord, I don't need a kingdom. David, it looked like David was going to lose all the promises that God had made to him. It looked like David was going to lose his destiny. It looked like David was going to lose the kingdom that God had promised. But David is saying, God, I may lose everything, but if I do, I don't need a kingdom. All I need is you. I don't need a house. All I need is you. I don't need fame. All I need is you. I don't need money. All I need is you. I don't need an army. All I need is you. David said, God, you are my inheritance. You are my portion. You are more than enough. Now, I want to ask you, tell me uh, what else is there to hold on to besides the Lord himself? Nothing is life is, is stable. And it, as you get older, you realize that, how unsure, how unstable life is. You can't cling to the present because tomorrow it'll be the past and the past is gone forever. You can't cling to youth because time relentlessly rolls on and youth inevitably gives way to old age. You can't even cling to life because the Bible describes our life as like water being spilled on the ground which can't be gathered up again. And every day you spill a little bit more of yours and I spill a little bit more of mine. The only thing in life that is stable enough to cling to is God Himself. And when you have God, you have all that you need. David, in that cave of despair, chose to cling to God. You know, some of us, we start out the new year, and the new year is supposed to be bright and cheery, everything rosy. But honestly, what did you do with the old year? You carried on your shoulders the debts, the darkness, uh, the despair. You bring it with you into the new year. So how do you handle that? How do you live with it? How do you deal with it? You keep your eyes on the Lord. You choose to cling to God. Second, David chose to put his confidence in God and not in himself. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 143. He said, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. And don't enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no man living is righteous. David knew his own heart. Do you know your heart? Man, I know mine. Are you worthy to ask God anything? So while David was in this cave praying, he was not just battling human enemies. There was not just a human enemy who was out to get David. David was battling uh, the enemy of his soul. And when you're in a cave of despair, you might, the devil might say to you, why do you want to ask God for help? You're not worthy of God's help. You're not good enough to get God's help. No, you're not good enough to get God's help. I'm not good enough to get God's help. No one of us is good enough. But the reason that we need to turn to the Lord and, and, and look to the Lord is because we're, we're desperate. When you're in a cave of despair, you can trust your own efforts. You can say, I can get my, I can, 
I can figure my way out of this. Well, I want to tell you, one day you're going to get yourself in a spot that you can't figure your way out of. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to undo it. And you can't in the strength of your own flesh. Or you can choose, as David did, to put your confidence in God. David knew he wasn't worthy of God's help or God's guidance. Neither are you, neither am I. But David was not relying on his goodness or righteousness as he prayed. He was relying on God and God alone. And I learned a long time ago to leave matters of guidance to God, especially when I'm in a crisis. Uh, If I try to make decisions on my own, if I lean on my own understanding, I'll only become more lost and more confused. And in verse 8 of Psalm uh, 143, if you look down at 143, verse 8, the last part of verse 8, he says, teach me in the way I should walk. In verses 10 and 11, he said, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground for the sake of your name, O Lord. This is in 142, 10 and 11. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me in your righteousness. Bring my soul out of trouble. David didn't have any goodness. You can't stand on your own goodness and say, God, deliver me on the basis of my goodness. But you can say, God, on the basis of your goodness, on the basis of your grace, on the basis of your mercy, because you care about me, God, would you help me? Would you deliver me? In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, uh, Jeremiah said, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his own steps. If you try to direct your own steps through life, you're going to get hopelessly lost. On February the 30th, or on February, not the 30th, but February 2007, there were 30 young adults, most of them scientists, who went on a day-long adventure to explore a series of caves uh, beneath a mountain on the Canary Islands. They entered the caves on a Saturday afternoon, and their first mistake was to make the trip without an experienced guide. They did make a phone call to an experienced guide who gave them some instructions on the cell phone the night before about how to make the trip through the caves. They had no uh, awareness of the danger ahead. They made their way through this dark maze of tunnels, and suddenly they found themselves in suffocating darkness. By mistake, they had entered a passageway Uh, that had been opened up in the 19th century. A group of islanders there were looking for water, but instead they found poisonous gases. These 30 scientists found their way into that passageway full of poisonous gases, and in that cave, six of them died in the overwhelming darkness. What started out as a weekend adventure turned into tragedy. Now, life can be that way if we try to make our own way. Or if I call you and ask you for your advice, or you call me and ask me for my advice. You don't need my advice. I don't need your advice. What we need is the guidance of God. When I'm seeking direction from God, I've learned never to lean on human counsel because 90% of the time, human counsel will tell you what you want to hear. I don't need your guidance. You don't need mine. What we need is God. So when you're in the cave of despair, the choices that you make are critical. Those choices will determine your destiny. Third, David chose to pursue God. He chose to pursue God. Look at Psalm 143, verses 6 and 7. He said, I stretch out my hands to you. 
My soul longs for you as a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. I'm told that some of you have been pilots, and I'm told that pilots flying over the open ocean find that there are times when it's hard to tell the ocean from the sky, and a pilot flying by their senses in that environment can suffer from a condition known as spatial disorientation. It can also happen to a pilot flying at night. The pilot loses his sense of up and down and left from right. Uh, Their perception of where they are doesn't agree with reality, and in those moments, they have to ignore their senses and keep their focus on their instruments. There are times in life when we lose our sense of direction. We lose sight of the horizon, having always been able to fly by the seat of our pants, we suddenly find ourselves not knowing which way to turn. Uh, We need to remember that no matter where we are in life, regardless of our circumstances, our internal compass is being turned, is being pulled toward God. God is urging us to look to Him and listen to Him and lean on Him. So when we're lost, confused, discouraged, or lonely, We need to look to God. David made the decision not to trust his senses, but to trust in God in the darkness of his circumstances. He pursued the Lord. Randall McCloy said that he and his fellow miners chose to pray, and that is a a critical decision, and it will determine how you come out of your cave of despair and sometimes whether or not you come out of it. Number four, David chose to listen to God rather than to listen to the voice of God of the enemy. I remember one time in the Old Testament there's the story of Hezekiah and an evil king called Sennacherib and Sennacherib had uh, hurled several different threats Hezekiah's way and told him not to trust in God that that God was not able to deliver his kingdom uh, from his power and and uh, he even wrote a letter uh, to Isaiah Uh, in a threatening way. Maybe you've gotten a threatening letter before or a threatening email or a threatening text. And you know what Isaiah did? Isaiah and Hezekiah did with that letter when it came from that evil king? They took that letter and they spread it out before the Lord. They spread it out before the Lord. They said, Lord, read this letter. Read what this king is saying about you. He's saying you can't help us. He's saying you're too weak to defend us against his mighty power. Lord, would you do something about the circumstances that we're in? And so this is where uh, David prays in Psalm 143, verse 7. He says, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. Some of you who have asthma or other respiratory ailments know what it's like to struggle for a breath, to have that feeling of suffocation. Uh, The words of the enemy, the accusations of the enemy can suffocate your spirit. They can smother you spiritually. If you listen to the enemy and what he says to you, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God can't help you. Look at you, how worthy you are. Look at you, the sinful person you are. God God won't help you. God can't deliver you from what I've got lined up for you. You're, You're in a hopeless situation. Some of you have been hearing that. Perhaps the accusations of the enemy that suffocate your spirit, you don't need to listen to those. This is what Jesus said in John 6, chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. 
Spirit, pneuma, breath, pneuma, pneumatic, air. They are spirit and life. They'll give life to you, hope to you in your hopelessness. So don't listen to the accusations of the enemy. When you're in a cave of despair, you need to focus on the words of God, the promises of God, the truth of God, and not the lies of the, lies of the enemy. Number five, David chose to trust his, he chose to trust his present and his future to God's hands. Now, when you're in a cave of despair, when you're in discouragement, all of us get discouraged, by the way. All the great men and women of the Bible had times of discouragement. And when they were discouraged, they found hope in God. And so, by the way, at the top of this psalm, I didn't tell you, Psalm 142, it says it's a mascal of David. A mascal is a teaching psalm. It's to teach us something. There's a lesson that we can learn from this. God is saying something to you. He's saying something to me, to you, and to your, in your discouragement, to me in mine. Look to me. Put your hope in me. Trust in me. Trust your present with me and your future in, into, into my hands. You may be in, enduring a, a time of tremendous difficulty. It's tested your mettle. It, it's sort of when you put it in hot water. That's what Doug was talking about this morning. Hot water is some kind of trouble you get in. And so that hot water that you're in is testing what you're made of. It's challenging what you believe. Uh, you're surrounded by the darkness of uncertainty. And brokenness has come into your life. And brokenness, by the way, can be soul deep. I read a book several years ago called Broken in the Right Place. You know, when brokenness comes to our life, it can, be, it, can, it can happen for good or bad, and it depends on how we respond to it. If we're broken in the right way, in the right place, it leads us toward God and what He wants to accomplish in their life. Listen to David's words, by the way. This is from the New Living Translation, these first verses, in verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 143. The New Living Translation reads, I reach out for you, I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. And then verse 8, I like it from the New American Standard Bible. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me in the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. I, I tell you, verse 8 reminds me of a little child. Can you just see a little child, maybe after Christmas? They got a new toy, and the toy gets broken. And they bring that little toy to mom or dad, and they, they hold it up. It's broken. And David is saying, Lord, to you I lift up my soul. Lord, I can't fix it. I am so broken. Can you help me? Can you deliver me? Lord, I'm not worthy, but can you help me? That's why David reached for God. He said, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. All of us have a desperate need for the Lord's touch upon our lives. Some of us need His touch of healing. Some of us need His touch of peace. Some of us need His touch of forgiveness. Some of us need His touch to address the deep brokenness that's invaded our soul. The final verse of David's psalm from the cave of despair in verse 7 of 142 reads, Bring my soul out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully for me. Here David expresses his own personal faith that God is in charge of his destiny. You know, I have to have that hope in my own life. 
that God's in charge of my journey, that God is sovereign over the way that I take. Job said that in the midst of the hot water that he was in. He said, he knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold. Something's happening in your life right now. Maybe something difficult, something discouraging that has you in a desperate place. That happens in everybody's life from time to time. What do you do with it? What will you do with it? Will you give up? Will you say, I'm not worthy? Will you listen to the voice of the enemy and say, well, I'm not worthy even to cry out to God? Or will you ignore your own senses and let your compass set your heart on God and say, what I need to do is keep my eyes on the Lord and look nowhere else. Listen to the voice of my Lord because His words, they are spirit in life. And listen to no one else. By the way, how did it turn out for David? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, the Bible tells us of the day that David entered the cave of Adullam. It doesn't tell us what he prayed. Doesn't tell us anything about that. Doesn't tell us really how long he was there alone in the cave of Adullam or alone with some small group of people. But it does tell us about how God shaped David's destiny. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. That's a precious few verses to me because it reminds me that when the Lord raised up a Savior, he raised up a king like David so that all of us who are in distress, all of us who are in debt, all of us who are discontented, all of us who are in despair, all of us who are broken, all of us who are sinners, can gather ourselves to Him, and He will be captain over us. Randall McCloy's life was shaped by a cave of despair. He continues to trust God to this day and believes that his deliverance was a miracle. Medical professionals believe that as well. Uh, 23 days he didn't wake up, but he woke up by the providence of God. God delivered Randall McCloy from his cave of despair. God delivered David from his cave of despair. And God will deliver you if you will set your heart, eyes, and mind on him. Let's pray.